Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Lovely Birmingham, Alabama. Absolutely lovely. I've never been really spent any time in Alabama before last night. And, no. And we're at the Holiday Inn by the airport here in Birmingham. And the nicest hotel staff. So friendly. Yeah. It's unusual. It's like they're it, so friendly. It's like, are they going to knife us right, when we sleep? And it seems very sincere, too. It doesn't yeah. seem like that phony, you know, welcome. We hope you enjoy your stay. Right. There's a certain, it's right. That's a good, that's a good genuine. tone of voice that you, I, <laughs> Thank you. I think that I'm like, yeah, I have heard that tone of <laughs> yeah, voice you before. Know, um, a few times. So anyway, so, so we been having a nice time in Birmingham. Uh, yesterday we performed in Nashville. We did a little uh, haunted history and uh, some songs from the Sea on the Set podcast. We on Broadway. That was fun. So much history there. Yes. And, um, you know, you can see some of that stuff at othersidepodcast.com slash live stream. Yeah. And we're going to we're gonna be doing live streaming throughout this whole trip, which is, yeah. you know, over the next week. We'll be checking out the live streaming on Facebook and we'll be doing Periscope if you guys have that on Twitter. Um, and then probably we'll do some YouTube live streaming too. And, you At know, some in, point. In there. But othersidepodcast.com slash live stream is going to have a link to all of that. And you can already watch a couple of the videos we put up um, and a link to the periscopes and stuff of, of the places we've been. That's right. And we are still, we're just at the beginning of the tour. We've only hit uh, Cincinnati cities, yeah. and Nashville. And tonight we're going to be in New Orleans. So mm-hmm. this is Monday, March 14th. 14th. Yeah, Thank you. it's pie day. Oh, let's yeah. get pie. We'll have to have pie at some Let point. Let there be pie. Let there be beignets. <laughs> and then tomorrow we're going to be in Galveston, Texas. Mm-hmm. That's Tuesday, March 15th. And we're doing a haunted history and music event in each in each town. So Yes. And then uh, Wednesday we're relaxing and we're going to get into Austin. But mm-hmm. um, And Friday night in Austin at 6 p.m. we'll be playing on 6th Street, the main drag during South by Southwest. Nice. Um at the trophy room mm-hmm. where there's a mechanical bull. So trophy you know, club. Trophy club. Othersidepodcast.com slash tour is where you can find all go. the details of, of, yes. of the places we're going to be at. Anyway, find the place on 6th Street with a mechanical bull <laughs> at Friday at 6 p.m. and you'll find Sunspot. And then Saturday night we'll be releasing our EP, American Monsters, Woo! at the Music Madness ATX Festival. Right. And that's at Aussie's Beach Bar. And it's a, it's a, they call it a volley bar because they have, uh, we've played there like nine times. It's great. Uh, anyway, so bring your swimsuit if you have it. And <laughs> otherwise bring your birthday suit if, it, oh if you boy, don't have oh it. Oh, boy. Uh, either way. Or just bring your ears, listen but, to some music. Yeah, there's a nice stage at Aussies. We're going to have a really good time. Can't um, wait. During South By this year. Music Madness at the X, though, is the cool unofficial event where we're releasing our new EP, American yes. Monsters. Now, um, speaking of monsters, we talk about <sighs> ghosts and urban legends in Cincinnati um, with the team of Bobby Mackey's Music World, reputedly the most haunted nightclub in America. And we still have yet to play there, so we got to yes. make that happen sometime. Yes, we do. But we uh, interview with the uh, official team of Bobby Mackey's Music World. Cool. We go into all of the uh, legends surrounding the place. And then we go into the other legends around Cincinnati. Yeah. And we're putting up some of the best stories we know of Cincinnati hauntings and legends on othersidepodcast.com slash 83 is where you can find that. But right awesome. now, let's talk to Gatekeeper Paranormal. Today, I have joining me uh, two of the lead investigators from Gatekeeper Paranormal uh, in Northern Kentucky, investigating the Cincinnati area, one of my favorite areas of the country that I've really enjoyed spending time in and performing in. Uh, With us today are uh, lead investigator Kim Short and lead investigator and co-founder Laura Rowland from Gatekeeper Paranormal. Hello, ladies. Hello. Thank you for joining us today. you know, start off, just tell us a little bit about uh, Gatekeeper Paranormal. Kim, why don't you start and give us a little bit about information about the group? Uh, Gatekeeper Paranormal is um, a paranormal group. We're the official paranormal team of Bobby Mackey's. Um, we have, currently we have three members and we just added a few more. Um, Laura, do you want to give any more information? Oh, wow. Um <laughs> Yeah, we've been together about three years. Um, I founded the group with two other people. Um, but yeah, we've just added, what, four new people, right? 
Yes. Yeah. So we've got quite a crew now. So what what inspired you guys to start a paranormal group in the first place? What I mean, because that's I mean that's putting yourself out there. You know, like if you you know you put it out on Facebook and you put it out your social media, and especially uh, like to friends and family and stuff like that. Like that's you know, and I know because I'm in the haunted history and I've gone on investigations and everything. Um, what inspired you to say like I want to I want to get out there too? Well, for me, uh, I've been doing this for over 10 years, probably even more than that. If you count all the stuff I did when I was a teenager, like, you know, sneaking into places and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. I'd say officially for 10 years, I've been doing it. And about, I guess, six years ago, I joined another group in the area and I was with them for a few years. And, um, I don't know. I just thought there were things that I could do better. And and maybe that's not a nice thing to say, but I thought there were things I could do better. And so uh, another investigator and myself broke off from them and formed our own group. And so far, I I think we've been doing a very good job. And and how did uh, you get involved, Kim? Um, Mandy and I are actually related. And um, I've always been into it since high school. And a few years ago, well, it's probably more like two years ago, she said that she had a group that she was in and wanted to know if I wanted to join. So that's how I got in touch with Gatekeeper. All right. So the secret, everybody, to getting into paranormal groups is to be related <laughs> to somebody to somebody in the paranormal group. Nepotism is alive and well. Right. Right. Well, well, I think a lot of that comes from the, the fact that you got to trust the people you're with. Exactly. And that's very important. You know, and I've noticed that, especially looking at different paranormal group uh, websites, and um, they'll always have the contact form, and it'll always say something like, like, we are accepting new members now, please, you know, email us if you're interested. Or they'll say, like, we're not taking new members right now. And I always thought, like, oh, everybody's being so exclusive. But I kind of think you have to be exclusive in something like this, because it's real easy for somebody to walk in and crazy the whole thing up super fast. Absolutely. That's true. Yeah. But actually, you know, when we were looking for new members just very recently, we recruited a couple friends, people that we know, and we thought we needed some more. So we actually put it out there on our public page if anyone is interested. And believe it or not, we only got two people to contact us, two strangers to contact us that they were interested. I was really surprised. I thought there would be a lot more. Like a deluge, you know, a deluge of, you That's know. That's what I thought, yeah. Come on, I want to go on a ghost hunt. And, and you yeah. think it would. And it, it's funny that, um, you know, I meet a lot of people on Twitter, and that's how I met uh, Mandy Loftus is the, is the third member of the Gatekeeper Paranormal. She couldn't join us today, but that's who I met her on Twitter. And everybody's like, oh, man, I wish I could be, a, you know, a, a haunting investigator, you know, a paranormal. <laughs> and everybody's like, yeah, I wish I could do that. So it's funny that you put that out there and you didn't get the response. Especially with our link with Bobby Mackey's, because people always say, oh, I wish I could spend as much time there as you guys do. And well, nobody stepped up. Well, maybe they're just talking about the bar. Maybe. And so Gatekeeper, why the name that? Is there a particular reason you guys selected that name? That's all Mandy. I wish she was here to tell you about it. <laughs> but she, um, she just liked the name and she suggested it. And I thought, yeah, that's a really cool name. So. And I always tease her and say it's because she watches too much uh, Ghostbusters. Okay. All right. Oh, I didn't even think about that, right? Yeah. Are you the key master? I'm the gate. Right. <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay. So now you guys are based in, in Northern Kentucky and the, the Cincinnati metro kind of area is what it says on the website. Yeah. What got you interested in the beginning in paranormal stuff? Like what led you? Because- Everybody loves ghost stories. Everybody loves to hear about aliens and UFOs. We all go to the movies and, you know, we'll watch the stuff on TV. But I think it takes a special kind of person willing to go to a haunted place and sit there all night with equipment and wait around and then sift through all the the stuff afterwards. So I think there has to be some kind of experience or something right away that got you into it. And so what got you guys into the paranormal stuff from the beginning? Laura, you want to go first? Uh, okay. I was going to let you go, but that's, okay. <laughs> um, for me, I've always been interested in it since I was a little girl. Uh, I do believe my grandmother had something going on in her house. She had, I had some weird experiences there as far as wanting to like sounds or visuals um, or things like that. Actually her, her bed used to, now this was not every day, but every once in a while her bed would kind of 
bump up. And I always described it as like if there was a big dog under the bed and it, and the dog rolled over, like it just would bump a little bit. That's mm-hmm. the only way I can think of to explain it. Um, every once in a while, that would happen at her house. And, you know, spending the night with her was exciting and terrifying at the same time because I never knew if that was going to happen. And there was um, nothing. She had no dog, right? Well, she had a tiny little poodle, but yeah, no, no big dogs. Right, like not like Marmaduke hiding under the no, bed. Like, okay. okay. <laughs> um, but she also had, you know, there were other weird sounds. Like it always sounded like the front door was opening because it was an old house, probably built in the 30s or 40s. And the door made a very distinctive squeaking sound. And you would hear that sound constantly, even though the door was never being opened. You would always hear it open, like somebody was always walking in. Um, just weird things like that would happen. And so I was always fascinated with it. And then, you know, I think it just evolved from there. Like I said, when I was a teenager, I liked to explore abandoned houses and abandoned buildings. And it just, you know, continued to grow. Did you have more experience? I mean, they always say like, you know, that's the teenager with the, um, the hormones and the energy. And the, that's, a, that's a particular time where you're ripe to have kind of paranormal experiences. Did you see an increase or anything like that? I mean, did you see stuff when you would go into an abandoned house when you were a kid? Well, no, because I, just because a house is old and falling down doesn't mean it's haunted. Unfortunately. Remember that. (laughs) So honestly, to be completely honest, no, I didn't. Um, And I didn't back then. I mean, I grew up in the eighties. I was a teenager in the eighties. And back then there weren't all these paranormal shows and there weren't all these old historic buildings offering ghost hunts. So we didn't have that stuff to do. Right. All you had was that's incredible. Right. The closest thing. (laughs) Right. So I didn't have all those kind of experiences, but I always had my grandmother's house and I even had experiences there as a teenager. And then urban legends in this area, we've got some creepy roads where people say, you know, things happen. We were always checking those out. But no, to be honest, when I was a teenager, I don't, nothing profound that I can remember really. And so then when you went on and, you know, when you saw a paranormal, like what, what inspired you to go seek out a paranormal group? You say you've been about 10 years. Um, what was that that initial thing like? Hey, I kind of I'm gonna s- spend the night in a haunted house. Was it an experience, or was it like a haunted tour, or was um, it just a scene a TV show and being like, I, I want to do that? Well, again, I'm old. So back in the <laughs> '90s, like when the when this thing called the internet first started. Yes. If you re- I don't know how old you are, but if you remember that when the internet first started, I do. In, okay, well. You know, I started looking up haunted things because I was curious and I wanted to see what was out there. And at the time, I worked for Delta Airlines and I could fly anywhere. So it's like, oh, Myrtle's Plantation in Louisiana. Let's go down there and check it out. Oh, that's so, great. We just did an episode on the Myrtles, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, once I started, you know, being able to research things online and had the ability to travel there, that's when I really started. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Now, now, Kim, what got you? I mean, you obviously saw a ghost when you were little, right? I didn't really see anything when I was little. Uh, when I was in high school is when my experience happened. And a friend and I were at her house. And her house was like, a, it was a two-floor kind of an apartment type deal. Mm-hmm. And her and I were sitting downstairs talking one night, late hours like we always did. And upstairs, it was like 15 people were moving furniture all over the place. And really didn't think much of it at the time until about 45 minutes later when the people that lived upstairs pulled in the driveway and come to find out there was nobody home. And Mm. that's kind of what sparked it. I know they had some experiences at their house and on the floor that they lived on, her and her mom in particular. And just for kind of from then on, I just kind kind of fell in love. It was kind of like an addiction type deal. You know, I just want to find out more. Sure. Especially when we talk about urban legends and places to visit. And then in high school, when you're looking for something to do, I mean, that's always the thing when you're a teenager, you can't go to a bar yet. You, you right. know, you got to be home by a certain time. You run out of movies to see. And then you're like, well, I want to, I want to go check out some real life stuff. Exactly. And, and yeah, no, that, that's what makes it exciting. No, I was, a, I was the same way. I was always like, Hey, that, that hotel is abandoned and had, you know, <laughs> it was never open and the owner killed themselves there. We, that's where we're going to go, you know? <laughs> and so getting my friends <laughs> to be like, like, Oh, can we just go to the movies? And I'm like, don't you want to see a ghost? Um, and some of them didn't, then some of them didn't. <laughs> so they weren't that friends anymore, but that's all right. Now you guys have gatekeeper paranormal for the past few years. First of all, let's to anybody that doesn't know. So, uh, Bobby Mackey's music world 
is a uh, a very well known uh, nightclub and honky tonk in Wilder, Kentucky, and it's uh, owned by a country singer by the name of Bobby Mackey, and um, he plays traditional country music, kind of like, I mean, traditional, not like stuff from the 1970s, traditional like stuff from the 1950s, you know, George Jones, Hank Williams, things like that, and opened the place in Wilder in the late 1970s, and started using the hauntings there as a, you know, as a marketing hook and a, and a way to make it a little bit more fun. Now, how did you guys get involved with a place like that? Um, for us, we found out the lady that used to run the tours there quit. She posted on Facebook that she was quitting and we pretty much jumped on it right away because we thought this is an awesome opportunity for us to get out because we were only together for a year at that point. And we thought this is an awesome opportunity to get our name out there and to do something that's, you know, potentially really fun. Mm-hmm. So we just, we contacted Denise Mackey, who was Bobby's wife, and at, told her we were interested. And she had us come down and talk to us for a while. And that was it. The rest is history. Now, had you guys been there before uh, you started becoming associated with it? I had actually, because the group I was with before used to do tours there. Uh, they ran special event type tours, like on the anniversary of Scott Jackson and Alonzo Walling. Uh, on the anniversary of their hanging, they would usually do an event and they would do one on Halloween. They didn't do tours like we do now, but I had been there before for that. So when you talk about now, now this relates to a particular event that happened near the club. And let's talk a little bit about that. So you just mentioned the hanging. So Scott Jackson, uh, why did they hang him? And why is it a special event at Bobby Mackey's world? There's a legend. One of the legends that go with Mackey's is a ghost by the name of Pearl Bryan. Pearl Bryan was a lady from Greencastle, Indiana, who was murdered about four miles away from Mackey's. And her ghost is one of the ones that's supposed to haunt Mackey's. And she, but she was murdered in like 1896, right? So this was a long time ago. Correct. And um, when I was reading about it, it's particularly, particularly gruesome because the... Uh, they think that she was pregnant. Yes. And so that obviously makes it even more disgusting and salacious. So what were the circumstances of the murder? Like why, what, how did they prove the guys or, or how did they find the guys who did, who did it? They, when, when they found her body, she was decapitated, but when they found her body, she had her shoes on her and those particular type of shoes that she had on, um, traced it back to Greencastle, Indiana, somebody that had made the shoes there and that's how they found out who she was. Oh, sure. Right. Cause how are you supposed to find somebody if you can't see their face? <laughs> Think about that. It's like, yeah, they, there's no head. So I don't know. Right, right. Right. And Scott was her boyfriend. She was pregnant and he tried to do a makeshift abortion oh, and um, it just went terribly wrong and, and had her decapitated. And so they think that it's, it's her spirit that still haunts the area. One of the many, yeah. Okay. How long after her death or whatever were those guys hung? I'm not really for sure, Laura. Do you know? It was, a, it was a, almost, a little over a year. It was a little over a year because she was killed in February, I believe, of 1896. Okay. My, my numbers might be wrong. And they were hung on March 20th of 1897. So it was just a little over a year. Okay. And <clears throat> how do people see Pearl? Like, um, what do they hear of her? They see a, an apparition. How are the stories of, of Pearl being there? Um, what have people seen? Well, I know there's, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, I really don't think they know for sure that it's her. I mean, there are so many people or entities that could be haunting that building. I, and unless she walks up and say, hi, my name's Pearl, you know, I don't see how they would know. Um, and in fact, her body was found about two miles away. Um, there was a farm over near Fort Thomas where the YMCA is right now. And that's where her body was found. People think the reason she haunts that building is because Scott Jackson and Alonzo Walling threw her head down the well that's in the basement. And that's why, why she's associated with the building. Okay. And now when I was doing the research on the place, it uh, looked like that before it was a nightclub, it was a slaughterhouse. Did I read that correctly? Right. That was correct. way before Pearl. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Way, yeah. Okay, so was it a was it a tavern or a, a bar by the time that Pearl was around? 
Now, in Pearl's time, there was a distillery on the property. It was a huge distillery. We're not exactly sure where all of the buildings sat exactly on the building. I mean, on the property. So Mm -hmm. we're not really sure where it was, but there was a distillery there in the 1890s. So the likelihood of Pearl's Head being put down that well, mm, I don't know, because likely there was a distillery there. And we had always heard that the distillery actually used those those tunnels or the wells or whatever you want to call them to pull water up from the river Okay. for the distilling process. So if that is true, then it's really unlikely they threw her head down there. Right, because how know, would they get in there? I mean, and the thing is, right. they did throw the head down the well. I mean, then they use. I mean, people could have been drinking Pearl, poor girl. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm a little extra drunk tonight. Well, <laughs> you're drinking for three. Okay, so it was a distillery back in the 1890s, and then what did it become afterwards? Like, when did it first become a a, a club? There were several things on the property through the 1900s. Um, in the early 1900s, there was the Bluegrass Inn, or what we believe was the name of it. There's two names, but we're not for sure exactly which one's which. Um, Later on, it became the Primrose Country Club, um, which was kind of a high-to-do place. It brought in a lot of big names. Um, after the Primrose shut down, the Latin Quarter came in, which was all mostly mob-owned. And um, it ran all the way into the late 60s. And then it was shut down for quite a while. And then a biker bar came into the building was known as the Hard Rock Cafe, which is not any relation to the Hard Rock Cafe of today. Sure. And um, and then thereafter, Bobby bought the property in '78. Okay, so we have a we have a biker bar and uh, organized crime there. You know, so, right. so okay, so there's a variety of people that could have been offed at Bobby right. Mackey's Music World. Oh yeah. So when we said before we talking about Pearl, and that sounds like that's the most famous one of the most famous legends about the place. Um, what are some of the experiences that people have had at uh, the mu- music world that they, you know, that started being the most haunted nightclub in America? Well, one of the most famous, I think, even maybe even more so than Pearl, is Johanna, one of the more famous entities. And Johanna is the one that people love. People think they talk to her all the time. If you're familiar with her story, she supposedly was a showgirl back during uh, either the Latin Quarter days or the Primrose days, one of those. Uh, and she was supposedly the owner's daughter, the owner of the nightclub. Okay. And sh- she became pregnant as well, just like Pearl, everyone's pregnant. Uh, also unmarried. Right, not, father, a lot of, not a lot of contraception in the old days. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, her father was unhappy about this and supposedly had her boyfriend killed. Her, or, Johanna was so distraught that she poisoned her father and then committed suicide. So and supposedly she committed suicide in the club. That's the story. And Bobby wrote a song called Johanna. If you've ever heard that, it's an awesome song. Okay, we'll have to um, link to that from the show notes. Uh, yeah. So people can hear uh, Bobby's song about haunted Johanna. But Johanna, you know, so now she's supposed to haunt the building. And Johanna, people love to talk to Johanna. And, you know, we get a lot of female EVPs in the building in the basement, in the, on the main floor, everywhere. We get a lot of female EVPs and, you know, not, none of them have ever said, hi, I'm Johanna, but you know, who knows? <laughs> so the two main legends are between Pearl and Johanna. Yes. And have people seen her? Has been a, you know, does she walk on stage every once in a while or is she hanging <laughs> out in the back? Like, you know, there's a, there's another nightclub that supposedly was a slaughterhouse in Minneapolis called the first Avenue. And so then they, like some people like there's a certain, there's a certain woman that people see in the bathroom every once in a while. And then you, you should look at her and you know, she's like dressed in like 1970s clothing and she disappears and stuff. So how have they either, you know, seen or heard or, or felt uh, either Pearl or Johanna or one of the spirits there? I've had people tell me that um, they've been in the bathroom, the women's bathroom, and they've seen a headless woman in there. Oh, so they automatically associate that with Pearl. And that's a, um, that's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. <laughs> And then as far as Johanna goes, there is a story that um, that there was a car accident out front of Bobby's and th- it was a fatal accident. And there were two people on the ground um, and a woman stepped out of the bar with a bunch of tablecloths to cover up the bodies and then turned around and walked back in the bar. And supposedly it's all documented and um, come to find out the bar was closed up and there was no one there. 
So they associate that being Johanna. Okay, well, those are, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. At least she's helpful from beyond the grave. She's not mad about killing herself anymore. <laughs> right, right. So that's pretty good. <laughs> so, all right, so you guys, when you run a haunted tour, is it just like a, like a do you actually take out, the, um, take out the equipment and do it? Have you guys spent the night? Um, what was your first investigation of Bobby Mackey's like? Um, together as a group or? Yeah, well, yeah, let's, for the gate, gatekeepers first, um, when you went well, off and decided to do it yourself. Well, the first day we were there, actually, uh, when we were being shown around by Denise and Matt, Kim had a rock thrown at her. So, Kim, you can tell him about that. <laughs> we were standing in the well room and they had given us a tour of the building and, and some of the stories and, and whatnot. And as we're all standing in the well room, the lights were all on and um, I'm sitting in the chair. Everybody else was standing and nobody was moving. We were just listening to Matt tell us some stories and a pebble comes flying over and hits my chair and then drops on the floor. And it wasn't like whizzed at my head or anything like that. It was just kind of tossed to say, Hey, we're really here. Um, that was probably, that was the first experience I had with the building. Well, we all did actually. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there was nobody else that could have thrown it at you. I mean, just, mm-hmm. Nobody. No. So when you guys, uh, you know, do an investigation there, uh, walk us through a little bit what you do. I mean, do you set up cameras? Do you set up, you know, where do you, where do you put the uh, microphone for the EVPs? Like, walk me through a little bit of how you guys would, con- how Gatekeeper Paranormal would conduct an investigation at a place like Bobby Mackey. Well, um, we, I like to put my recorder on the main floor. I don't know. For some reason, I tend to get more voices on the main floor, like in the, on the dance floor area, kind of the tables around the dance floor. Okay. Uh, I've gotten a lot of EVPs from there. Um, the basement, we have stuff happen there and we have had voices down there. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm faltering on this one. Kim, you take it. Sure. I would just say, I mean, as we do get quite a bit of activity in the basement, but I think we, I personally think that we get more activity up in the main bar area. Yeah. Um, Generally when we're sitting around talking and, and I don't mean like really carrying on, but just idle chit chat, that's when stuff tends to happen more because it's almost like they're trying to get our attention. than if we're sitting there listening for any type of movement, knocks, bangs, whatever the case may be. Um, up on the main floor, we get a lot of shadow figures up there, um, that dart in and out of the men's bathroom, up and behind the stage, um, back by the bowl. Um, Ooh, shadow figures are always scary. Yeah. It, and it, none of them have been threatening at all. Sure. I mean, no, I just, when you ever see a shadow walking around here, I was like, Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Well, and sometimes when groups come in and do five hour investigations, um, or even the two hours for that matter, but mostly the five hours, we're usually sitting at the bar or something like that. And you'll see a head poking out from behind the post or, you know, just kind of being nosy, not, not threatening in any type of way. Um, I personally have never felt threatened in the building, um, knock on wood. And um, we just, like I said, most of the stuff that happens, it's like whenever we're ignoring it. So EVP, um, that's where a lot of people pick up stuff. And you, you mentioned that you had a lot of great EVPs in the basement and on the main floor and, and, and the dance floor. Are there any particular EVPs that stood out to you? Like this, I mean, this has to be someone talking, like I can hear the voice or I can, you know, they're saying something like, you know, play another song or something when there's nobody there. Anything, any, any particular EVPs that really stand out to you? I would say the first one in the basement, wouldn't you, Laura? Oh yeah. That's, that's my favorite one. Um, it was, we were actually going to go outside and take pictures cause there's a railroad track right behind Bobby Mackey's. And we just wanted to take some group pictures on the railroad track. Mm-hmm. So we, we set a recorder, uh, kind of near the well, kind of, there's a, a windowsill and we set the recorder there near the well and you can hear us at the door getting ready to walk out. And then you hear this woman's voice and it's a whisper and it says, it's really long. It says she does not like all these people in here. And you can hear every word of that, which is really unusual for an EVP because a lot of times it's just one or two words. This is right. an entire sentence and you can hear it. I mean, it's very clear. So she didn't um, like us being down there. <laughs> what, is, is that one, you, have you guys put that online anywhere? 
Um, yeah, actually, it's on our YouTube channel. Fantastic. We'll we'll put that in the show notes then, because that's a fun. That sounds like a fun one there. I I love that. She doesn't like all these people here. All no, right. she doesn't. And whoever it is, I mean, I guess if you don't like a lot of people, you probably shouldn't be hanging out in a nightclub. But <laughs> yeah, that's just me. Um, so that sounds exciting. As far as now, photos or have you got any any real evidence of photos that you're like, oh man, and. To, I'll have to give my disclaimer here. I always say this. In the, I'm not an orbs fan. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so if you're like, no, we got this thing and it's totally an orb. I'll be like, oh, no, 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 no. I understand. Um, so have you guys got any pictures where you're like, oh, I mean, I this wasn't there when I was looking at it? I don't know I, that we necessarily have. No, I haven't. I mean, people show us pictures all the time and, you know, they don't want to hear that. Oh, well, that's dust. Or that's matrixing or, you know, they don't want to hear any of that. So, you know, I, I just try to be polite and say, oh, yeah, that's a great shot. But most of the time, especially in the basement, it's dust. It's a dusty place down there. Well, what I think is interesting, too, is like um, orbs have only really started really coming into coming onto their own with digital cameras. You know, I, right. I, it's like yeah. either digital cameras are really good at seeing into the spirit world or it's just something about digital cameras that makes it more susceptible you know the sensors and they're more susceptible to the dust or the bugs or or the things in the air i i don't know that apple made a device all of a sudden where we can see ghosts more than <laughs> you know anything has in the past yeah right i agree but all right so you guys run a lot of stuff at bobby mackey's music world but about how often do you guys think you do investigations or tours there for people who might be interested in coming down to visit Oh, well, gosh. we do them sunday through thursday because the bars open on friday and saturday so we do them sunday through thursday and i would say we usually do at least one or two a week, most of the time. Oh, yeah, at least. At least. Where are the people who usually come, you know, is it usually local people or tourists or anybody that's, you know, come from something like New Zealand or something? Be like, mm -hmm. dude, I had to go to Bobby Maggie. I've never <laughs> had anyone from New Zealand. The farthest I've had are people from Brisbane, Australia. Okay, um, well, that's pretty far. Right. Yeah, I've, I've had Scotland, um, England. They, they're from all over. I mean, they yeah, really and are. A, a lot of times in the summer, people will take paranormal road trips, people in the United States, and they'll just drive for, you know, days, weeks, hitting every haunted location that they can. We get a lot of those in the summer. Well, that's fun. Now, I visited the area a whole bunch, and uh, I spent some time at the Southgate House oh, yeah. uh, in Newport. And oh, actually, I'm looking here at some of the stuff from uh, Pearl Bryan's murder, and it says that... Uh, her murderers were hung in Newport. Yes. So, hey, th that's fun. Um, <laughs> but um, so at the Southgate house, what they always tell us is that the guy that invented, you know, the, it was used to be called the Thompson house or whatever. The, the guy that invented the, the Thompson, the Tommy gun, right, Thompson right. machine gun is the guy that uh, originally built the house. And then it's supposedly haunted by the spirits of the people who were killed by the Tommy gun or whatever. Just, just like the Winchester house. Exactly. You know? Right. Yeah. And so, you know, and we wandered around the place a bunch, um, but I wouldn't say that I'd be the most convincing paranormal experiencer at, you know, three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> at, at least, I mean, after a show that particular evening, I wouldn't, you know, like, hey, man, I think I see some. I wouldn't be that, but... I was one to actually do an investigation there sometime. And is that that's one that you guys have you guys had a chance to investigate it at all? I haven't. No. Okay. I have not either. Okay. Now, is that a story you've heard, or were people just pulling our legs? You know, were our friends just pulling our legs because they knew we love that kind of stuff when we played there? Oh no, I've always heard that about the Southgate House. In fact, a girl I went to high school with, I think it's her uncle, I believe, that actually owned the Southgate House. So, you know, I've always heard of it and I've always heard it's haunted, but I just, I've never investigated there. Okay. So the legends are there. At least they're legends real. Legends are there. Right. Yeah. All right. I'm not, yeah. people aren't just like, oh, these guys are a bunch of rubes from Wisconsin. We can josh them today. <laughs> so what are some of the other places you guys have investigated in the area where you think that there are more hotbeds of activity in the Cincinnati area that people should check out when they come down there? Well, I was going to say the Sadamsville Rectory until you said hotbed of activity. Um, <laughs> Wait, what, what's the place called again? The Saddamsville Rec. Saddamsville, okay. Saddamsville, Potato Potato, I don't know. Sure, Saddamsville, um, named after the great dictator. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I'm not, I really don't want to say anything bad about them. They're wonderful people that own the rectory. It's just personally, 
we've been there at least five times and had very minimal personal experiences. We've gotten EVPs, but as far as personal experiences that some people report there, like demons running around and people getting scratched and gunshots and things being thrown, we've just, we've never experienced that. So what is the Saddam's, I mean, is it a, what kind of place is it? A rectory makes where it sound like there are other priests there or something? There, or? Well, there used to be. It's a, it's a, a rectory is a house where priests live and it's next to a church. Right. So the priests live there. There are stories. I'm not that familiar with the history. Kim might be, but there was a priest who got hit by a train and I still don't understand how that happens, but it does. He was blessing the tracks. Maybe. But he was he was walking along the train tracks and he got hit and killed and he was one of the priests that that lived in the house. Um there's a lot of stories um mm. and these are true because I've I've researched them of priests molesting children mm. um that lived there in that house. Um it was used for dog fighting after the priests move out. Uh, wow. They rented the, That's a yeah. switch. That it's is like, priests switch. live here. You know what we're going to do? We're going to call Michael Vick and bring out the dogs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, they, I guess the church, the rectory, they sold the building and someone bought it and rented it out to people and they ran illegal dog fights in the house. And when you go in there, there you can see all the doors, like the closet doors and the bathroom doors are all scratched up. Like dogs have just been trying to get out and the, the doors are all torn up from the dogs. And we've actually, EVP-wise, gotten a lot of dogs a lot of whimpering and whining yeah now is there a website for that place i mean is it a is it now is it a restaurant is it a bar or is no, it just, it's just a- an old house that they're trying to restore and they they do ghost hunts there okay and it's a pretty reasonable you can just google saddamsville rectory and uh, their website will come up okay we'll put a link to that in the show notes for anybody who wants to check out saddamsville and uh, see the haunted dogs and um, yeah. <laughs> the pervert priests Right. But okay, so that sounds like a good one. I mean, and, and I'm just I love to hear stories about about the area and we're going to be there actually uh probably next Saturday um on our way down to Texas for South by Southwest this year. So like I'm looking for cool places that I can check out on the way down there too. What's another place that you guys think that you've done an investigation in the area? I don't Do we have any other places, Ken? Um and most of the places we go to are are a little bit further out, like Waverly, um, other than private, other than residentials. Okay. That, no, that's cool too. That's what I was just, just checking on. And also we love to, you know, put stuff up for any of our listeners who might be in the area or traveling to give them, you know, some, some fun paranormal things they can do, um, when they're on the road and, and visiting these places, but okay. Private homes. Now, obviously you don't have to give me his name, but, like, how did you find out about, like, that somebody's house was haunted? Like, was it a contact through your website, or was it a friend of yours, or somebody, call, like, who are you going to call Gatekeeper Paranormal? <laughs> That's right. Like, how do you get leads for people who actually think that their house is haunted? Uh, I think most of the time, it's from people just contacting us, strangers, basically contacting us and saying that they have something in their house. The only one I've ever had that was a friend of mine, she actually lived in Lexington, so it was about an hour away. Sure. Um, her house actually, though, turned out to be quite active, so I was very happy with that one. Um, but yeah, most of them are just strangers, basically, that send us a message and say, hey, something's keeping me up at night and knocking on my walls, and my kids are scared, that kind of stuff. So when you go in there, um, when you go into like somebody's home and stuff, like how many times or what percentage you think where you're like, well, there's unexplainable things or well, these people are nuts. I'd say, <laughs> I'd say, well, maybe I shouldn't say, but there are, uh, to be honest, there are a lot of people who just want a paranormal team in their house and, and they think that you're going to bring a camera crew and they're going to be on TV Okay. because that's what they want. You know, and they're seeing orbs. They're seeing demons coming out of the water stains on their door. Um, yeah, that happens to me all the time. It's terrifying. I know, it's, like, it I just wanted to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and it's, you know, that's, that's a lot of it. But every once in a while, you'll get a legitimate, you know, a legitimate claim. I mean, is it usually EVPs, this thing like you pick up or you get cold spots or? Um... Well, I'll tell you, the, the one in Lexington that we did. Um, we were sitting on the bottom floor. We were the only people in the house. The house was all hardwood floors. I don't even think she had many area rugs. It was all hardwood. 
She did have a dog, but the dog pretty much hid from us the entire time we were there. There were three of us. We were sitting on the main floor and we heard and we caught it on uh, on our recorders, which is also on our YouTube page. Someone walking right above our heads. It is the mo- and I, people dismiss footsteps a lot as the house settling and things like that. But this one, I mean, you can hear even the board squeaking. You can hear someone walking right above our heads and there was nobody there. And that was pretty cool. Well, that that sounds like a good one. What was the, you know, what was the straw that broke the camel's back when it came to inviting somebody over to, to check it out? Like, was there something that your friend was like, hey, you know, I, I saw something in the basement or I heard something. You got you to gotta come over and check this out. Because it seems to me like that's a, that's a big thing to say to somebody. You know, number one, you're admitting right out there like, hey, I believe in ghosts. Number two, my house is haunted. Number well, the, three, can you come over and like bring your stuff? The interesting thing about it was uh, my friend is actually a doctor. And so she's very scientific and she does not believe in this stuff. But yet she was hearing things and seeing things that, you know, she couldn't scientifically explain. And she's, she knew I did this. So that's why she contacted me. And she's like, you're like the only person I know because of all her doctor friends, you know. Right. She's they're like, not going to the only- bring over EV, they're not going right. to bring over EMF well, meter no. or whatever. She's just like, you're the only person I know who won't think I'm crazy when I tell you the things that have been happening in my house. And turns out, I, I don't think she was crazy at all because we, we actually captured a lot of stuff at her house. And it was an old Civil War era house down in a historic part of Lexington. So, yeah. So, I mean, you were, you were talking a little bit earlier about some of the research you do into the, you know, when you're talking about the rectory and, you, and you, the research you do into the history of the place and, and checking on, you know, whether or not like some of the stuff that was reported to happen there actually happened there. Do you guys ever do that with private houses or checking on? Do you, do you, do you go to the, uh, like, register of deeds? Or, I mean, how would you do that if you were somebody who's like, well, I want to I see who owned the house before, you know, in 1940 or something like that. Is that something you guys have done? We have, I'm an, yeah. And I'm, I'm an, a title abstractor by day. That's what I do. Wait, real quick. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. So what, <laughs> what is a title abstractor? A title abstractor is somebody that goes to the courthouse and does the history on the property um, when somebody purchased the property or prior to purchasing the property to make sure everything is free and clear on the property. So my background is all um, property related and deed searches and basic history of the property. Um, I don't know how Laura feels on it, but I personally, when if doing residential investigations, we go and speak and then find out after we've done the investigation, you know, if we get any evidence. Oh, sure. No, that's a, that's a great idea. Cause if like, so let's say you get the name of the old owner and then you hear a whisper, like you're, right. you're going to be looking for, like, let's say that Rebecca was the old owner right. and then you, you know, you're going to be looking for something. You're going to be like, Hey, Rebecca, are you here? You know, exactly. you're talking to her. And so going afterwards is that kind of confirmation. Now we heard the name Rebecca and that that's that Rebecca's the old owner. No, that's, that's a cool thing. And that's a, that's a good tip. Get a title abstractor on your paranormal team. Because <laughs> I think that most people wouldn't know the first thing about looking into the history. Not, I mean, not just of, even if they're on a paranormal team, looking into the history of the house they own right now themselves. Right, right. And there's a lot of things on, I mean, I used to do um, searches and stuff in Kentucky. Um Right now, I, I'm in Ohio, but most of the time, even if you have a new construction, doesn't necessarily mean that just because it's new construction, your house isn't going to be haunted. It could have something to do with the property prior to anything being built on it. So the county records are going to be able to show you if there was a cemetery on the property, if there were, you know, whatever the case may be. That's great. So, I mean, look in, look in the county records and, and, and try to search for that. That's a... That's a good resource that I think a lot of people, you know, don't don't go into that enough of searching the history of a of a place and the property at least until you know as as far as we can record because too many people just you know they'll be talking about something like well you know this is just an old it was an old Indian hunting ground or something and you're like oh, absolutely like how did did you even look into that or did you just think like well there were Indians in the area so they probably hunted here 
And so that kind of, I mean, verification and checking on that, I think, is, is something really valuable to, to any kind of a, of a paranormal team. Yeah, it's actually, it's a lot of fun, too. I'm not a title abstractor, but I, <laughs> before Kim even joined us, we investigated a place here in Kentucky near where I live called Benton Farms. Okay. Um, the farm has been around since, I think, the 30s. But before that, there was a prominent doctor in this area who owned the property. Well, anyway, I wanted to research him because his son died on the property. So I tried to research back who owned that property before that and everything. And I went to the Boone County Courthouse here and went into the title records and all these old dusty books that the pages are, are kind of disintegrating and everything. And it smells horrible. But just it's fascinating <laughs> to kind of, you know, leaf through these books and trying to find like a needle in the haystack, trying to find these deeds from this property. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun and just looking at all those old records. It's, I love history. And, you know, again, that's partly why we do this is because a lot of us are history geeks too. Oh yeah, no. And I'm, I'm a total one. I, th I think the exciting part of a lot of this is that in our own towns or the places we're from or the, you know, the areas that we live, you know, they, they don't get all the attention that a larger city would have just because it doesn't have the amount of people. And it doesn't also have the you know, you go to Europe and the places have been around two millennia, you know, they can trace it back to here's the Roman settlement that started this town. Right. And have that. And in the U S and I mean, West coast, obviously they're the, you know, they're the newest, but you know, even in the Midwest, um, I mean, we can trace buildings back to the mid 19th century. And usually that's about it. You know, you don't have a place that's, you don't have a building that was opened in 1250 or whatever like you go to nottingham and they're like hey this bar's been open for 900 years right and you're like okay well that, there's going to be some history there and so I, I think it really gives people a better connection to their own towns and and to the places they visit if they understand a little bit about the the generations that have lived there previously and that they have urban legends and ghost stories and things just like you would hear anywhere else right and so i know i i think uh that that kind of research really adds a lot to the, the entire paranormal investigation. Speaking of, what would you guys say are your top like three tips for anybody going on their first paranormal investigation? This is a question I get on Twitter all the time. And they're like, you know, hey, what's your, you, you know, you've investigated places. What's, you know, what's your tip? And I'm just like, look at old newspapers, man. Like, <laughs> learn, how to, learn how to operate a microfiche. But, um... You know, what, what would you say some of the gatekeeper paranormal tips uh, for people who are going in their first investigation so that they can maybe feel a little more comfortable or, or not walk in clueless? You mean as far as the investigation itself? Yeah, I would, I would say as far as the investigation itself. Like, let's say you're into this thing, you'd like to do it, and your friend says, hey, my house is haunted. Uh, can you come check it out? Well, and, they, and they called you for advice. What are a couple of tips you'd give them? Well, one thing that I've noticed, and especially with people coming to Mackey's, because a lot of people are thrill seekers, and then there are some people who are just investigating for the first time, and a lot of people, they either have no equipment at all, or they've just gone out and bought 20 different little gadgets, and you know they want to use them all at one time. In my opinion, now I'm not everybody, but in my opinion, the best piece of equipment you can have is your body. Because I, I think your body is more sensitive to, you know, changes in the atmosphere and changes to things that are going on around you than any little beeping gizmo or gadget that you might have. Now, a voice recorder, I think, is important because, you know, we've captured tons of stuff on voice recorders. But as far as, you know, everybody having a K2 and a Melmeter and a REM pod, you know, those are great on TV. But I really think you need to be in tune with yourself, with your body and your mind. And, and just experience the place that you're in. Mm -hmm. Okay. Kim, any thoughts? No, I would agree with that. And, and for basic, I would just, a lot of people nowadays can use their cell phones because they've got cameras attached, but um, just go in with a camera and just like Laura said, your body. And if you want to take a voice recorder, take a voice recorder, because when you use a camera, if you're going to take a picture of something, because matrixing is so, um, Popular, I don't know if popular is really the right sure, can word. Sure, can you explain what matrixing is for the people who may not know what it is? Um, it's basically, um, what's the best way to describe it? It's kind of looking at clouds. You can look at clouds yeah. and see 15 different things in the clouds, you know, that make up any given um, 
picture or, you know, a rabbit or whatever the case may be. Um, it's just when you look at something, you may see something in it and it may look like it's a person when really it's just paint on a wall, which happens a lot at Mackey's um, <laughs> right. or, or any place for that matter. Um, but that's, I don't know if that's really quite the way to describe it. Laura, would you have a better way of describing what it is? Um, that's the way I always describe it is it's like looking for shapes in a cloud because, you know, you can look at something and, you know, I might see a, a rabbit and you see a dragon, you know, so it's just your mind. It's your, it's your brain trying to make sense of a random pattern. It's trying right. to make it into something that you can recognize. It's the same with auditory matrixing, like when water's running, you know, it's water running, but your brain's trying to make it be a sound, you know, maybe a ghost saying, hi, I'm Johanna. Sure. And that's what you'll hear in the <laughs> right, running water. You're, yeah. Right. Because your, your, your mind's always trying to make sense and it's, right. and it's predisposed. Um, sure. pareidolia is what we, uh, we've talked about it on the, uh, the podcast a bunch is that sometimes you'll see something, you'll be like, Oh my God, that's a face like that. Right. I'm looking at a face right there. And you realize that it's no, it's, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up and we had like a, a stone fireplace and there was just a, a rock that always looked like William Shakespeare. <laughs> and I thought that my entire life. And then my mother one time goes to me, she goes, what do you think that rock looks like? And I'm like, it looks like William Shakespeare. She's like, it's totally William Shakespeare. And, you know, just from the, from the famous Shakespeare picture we're always used to seeing. And, um, you know, that kind of thing. You, I saw Shakespeare in a rock. You know, you can, you can see weird forms and stuff like that. So matrixing. Okay. That's, thank you for teaching me that. That's a new one in my vocabulary. And, and so those are good tips for anybody going out in their first time. And, you know, I always like to ask this last question to, um, you know, to, to any groups or things like that that haven't, have investigated or done a lot of things in places where the paranormal reality television shows have been. And I know that Bobby Mackey's was, I mean, on the Ghost Hunters. It was, isn't the premiere episode of like Ghost Adventures there at Bobby Mackey's or something? Yeah, it was yeah. their first episode. Yeah. Right. So, um, I mean, obviously, you know, they always find, you know, the smoking gun. They, you know, I've been <laughs> on plenty of things and I, you know, I'm sitting there and I watch Ghost Hunters and, you know, they, they, they're talking to the ghost like it's just like a, a regular dude. And I, I assume you guys have watched the shows that have been done at Bobby Mackey's and the oh, places yeah. you've been. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything in there that you were like, I don't know how they got that? Or what? I think, think, think that might have been assisted through the, some Hollywood magic? Um, I, I think. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know if, if they outright faked anything. I, I really can't say I wasn't there. But it's just amazing to me how we are there. Like I said, at least a couple times a week. Right, you're there hours. all the you're there all the time. You said five hour tours, two hour right. tours. So it's like Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a, and, it's a second job to work at Bobby Mackey's every right. week, part time job. And the amount of stuff that we get, or the amount of personal experiences we get, we have them. We definitely have them. But it's funny that these people can walk in and within five minutes they've got something, you know. And it's something usually something just spectacular, you know, like Zach getting scratched. Now we have had people get scratched at Mackey's. But you would think that since Zach got scratched, you know, pretty much right off the bat, that we'd be getting scratched every day. But it just doesn't happen like that. Well, they can they can smell Zach Baggins' muscles a mile away. Uh, that <laughs> must, must have been. been. And, his, and his hair gel. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I mean, it always does. I always get amazed by how that stuff happens. And, and when people ask questions like, oh, yeah, what's a what's a paranormal investigation like? And I'm like, how do you how do you feel about waiting? You know, how do you how do you feel about uh, just hanging around until something happens or you hear something or how do you feel about hours of audio and going through and, and, and listening to it in the background all day, hoping that, you know, something will pop up. Right. And, uh, no, it really, it really is. And, you know, I got to thank, uh, Laura and Kim from gatekeeper paranormal for joining us today because it's been fun talking to you. And now I want to go to Bobby Mackey's music world myself and go on one of your investigations. Uh, next time we're in Cincinnati, that we have like an off day and we can hang out. I'm, I'm, we're coming on your investigation. Come yeah, on, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And if people are interested in Gatekeeper and Bobby Mackey's and stuff, where can we find you on the internet? Um, we have a website. It's gatekeeperparanormal.com. But we're also very responsive on Facebook, Gatekeeper Paranormal on Facebook. Um, that's probably the best way to get in touch with us. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, ladies. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So we've learned a lot about Cincinnati. We did. And we even made an extra haunted stop 
on Saturday night That's when right. we were done playing, we went to a place called Arnold's. The oldest bar in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And uh, we uh, even periscoped, interviewed a uh, waitress there asking about That's any right. paranormal stuff she had seen. And that was fun. And if you guys want to see what we're up to while we're going, uh, othersidepodcast.com slash live stream is where uh, you can find the links to our periscopes. And also we'll put our like Facebook live streams and YouTube stuff on there too as we travel. Right. So uh, anyway, the song for this week, you know, they talk about Bobby Mackey's music world was a slaughterhouse. And so we decided to go into the way back. And you're going to want to watch the video for this song because you can see Wendy and I, when we were uh, much younger, we Uh. recorded this song in 1998. Yeah. So we went the way back machine, but we thought it was perfect. Number one, because uh, it's called Meat Market and Bobby Mackey's used to be a slaughterhouse. Number two... Um, I'm wearing a Hustler t-shirt given to me by my friend, Brad Cohen, who is a college buddy from Cincinnati, and he was the first person I ever met from the Queen City, Brad. And anyway, his uncle had represented uh, the publisher of Hustler, Larry Flint. Uh, you might remember him so memorably portrayed by Woody Harrelson in the movie The People versus uh, Larry yes, Flint. Yes, yes. So he had his uncle get us t-shirts from Larry Flint, and I'm wearing a Hustler t-shirt in the video. Fabulous. Yeah. So anyway, we thought just the connection to Cincinnati and uh, Meat Market would be appropriate for Bobby Mackey's Music World. That's right. And those are linked on the show notes at othersidepodcast.com slash 83. And you're going to watch that video at othersidepodcast.com slash 83, where you can see uh, Wendy and I in our, our college glory. Oh, my goodness. That's right. Okay, let's check out Meat Market. <laughs> I'm looking for the first one that looks my way. Take me to the meet my kids when it's two o'clock in the morning. I'm not picky, I'm not picky. It's all the same to me. I'm not picky. Oh, I'm looking at her. She's 
for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Welcome. We hope you enjoy your stay.